this episode, the couple's stranded on a tropical island collecting rubbish, perfecting fermentation and helping save the local cats while they wait for the borders to open. Welcome to the World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. Hi again, it's Kim and Phil with you from wherever you get your favourite pods and we are revisiting an American couple we featured as an amazing, as amazing nomads in an earlier episode. Jason and Nikki Wynn, who in their words, traded in everyday life to satisfy their wear-out-your-shoes sense of adventure on a catamaran. But thanks to COVID, they're stranded in Fiji. Their story shortly, Phil, but what's happening in travel news? Okay, this is absolutely stunning. In Cambodia, all foreign nationals, uh, if they want to go there now during the COVID um, environment, they've got to make a deposit when entering the country by cash or by credit card of $3,000 US dollars. Um, into a designated bank account. The deposit will be used to pay for the expenses of implementing health measures around COVID-19, including an initial test when you arrive at the airport and the first 24 hours in a hotel whilst you wait for the results. And it gets more expensive if somebody else on your plane uh, turns up positive or you do as well. I think this is, you know... This is, I think we're going to see a lot more of this as countries, especially developing countries that don't have a lot of resources, try to, you know, work out ways of how they can, um, you know, cover the costs. I was going on a field and philanthropy trip to Cambodia in October, but obviously that's been postponed until next year. And I don't think that I could have found the $3,000 US bill on top of it all. Yeah, on top of everything. Uh, But some good news, there could be a solution to social distancing on planes just around the corner. uh, Called the Zephyr Seat, the design belongs to the CEO of a startup called Zephyr Aerospace. His name's Jeffrey O'Neill. And he's reconfigured the main cabin with double-decker-style lie-flat seats. Yes. Which looks pretty good. I, you know, wouldn't mind that. I mean, it is just a big bus in the sky, really, isn't it? Oh, I'd be more than happy to climb up a ladder and lie down for 12 hours. Certainly not. Have you done train travel that way, you know, in the bunks? Certainly like uh, that, not in bunks, it? no. Yeah. Just anyway. Couldn't, have, couldn't afford that at the time <laughs> when I was train travelling. I think I may have actually just sneaked into the sleeper cabins. I think I paid for a sit-up seat and sneaked in there, but anyway. Look, we'll put the, we'll put the article in show notes so you can see the, the design yourself there. Outdoor dining at restaurants has resumed in New York, along with the opening of hair salons and professional offices, and in-store retail establishments could reopen soon in the Big Apple as the city transitioned to phase two of lifting COVID restrictions. Meanwhile, most of the state of New York is a bit further ahead. They're in phase three and that means establishments can reopen and gatherings are allowed of up to 25 people. Taiwan has reduced the time you need to quarantine for business travellers from low-risk countries, which was one of the sectors identified as the first to resume. And if you're still hungry for some armchair travel inspo, there's this doco that came out last year and it's available on Netflix. It's the story of Lorena Ramirez from a pastoral community in Mexico, Mexico. And she straps it. Yeah. Mexico. <laughs> she, Mexico. She straps on uh, her sandals and completes an 
Ultra Marathon. Yeah, she does. She's incredible. I've watched this. It was out in November, December last year, but I've just caught up with it. It's called Lorena Lightfooted Woman. And she not only runs in sandals, they're not new pair of sandals every run, by the way, uh, but also her traditional dress. And she competes all around the world, winning a string of titles. It's fascinating. Look out for that one. Uh, right. Like our gum booted ultra marathon runner in Australia. Yeah, Australia had Cliff, a Cliff Young? <laughs> Cliff Young. He ran a marathon go. in gumboots, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a potato farmer. Yeah, loved him. Look, this might be a good time, and on a bit of a sad note here, to pay tribute to Aquilino Lopez, who featured in our Mexico Discovery series, which is fantastic. You must watch that. He's the, um, you know, the patron of the family where uh, they make their mezcal tequila. But we got some sad news during the week. He was in a car accident and he's passed away. So, you know, that's very sad and, you know, our condolences go out to his family as well. Yeah, very sad. But the way that they made the mezcal tequila had been passed on through the generations and his children used the method as well with stone toners and mud. You've got to check it out. We'll put the link to the series in show notes. But now it's time to check in with Jason and Nikki Wynn. They've spent the past four years sailing their catamaran, but with border closures, they're stuck in Fiji, and their beloved floating home is docked an hour's flight away in another country. We were flying home for the cyclone season, um, and it's our first time to ever go back to visit family and friends in the past four years, and we thought, okay, cyclone season's coming. We should, we should go visit family and leave our boat and go get some provisions and some boat parts and see friends and family. And then, oh, it was wonderful. And then we thought, oh, well, on the way back, let's, let's go to South Africa and see some other friends. And, oh, it was wonderful. And then we hop on a plane and then this COVID thing happens. And on our flight, going back to our boat, the rules all changed and we were stuck in Fiji, not allowed to continue on to Tonga, which is where our home and our boat, Curiosity, is sitting on the hard waiting for us to come home and repair the heck out of her. <laughs> it's only one hour away, isn't it, Tonga, from Fiji? Yeah, one hour flight. We Unfortunately, we were all good to go and the rules changed literally while we were in the air. So when we landed in Fiji, they said, you cannot board your flight to Tonga. You have to uh, quarantine in Fiji for 14 days because at the time Fiji was COVID-free. And so they were just requiring a quarantine for 14 days in a COVID-free country. And that's what we were doing. And then like three days into our quarantine, they closed all the borders and then that was that. Uh, Fiji went into lockdown, Tonga went into lockdown, and so did the rest of the world. How long have you been in lockdown then, or isolating, quarantine, whatever you call it, you're stranded in <laughs> Fiji. How long, has, how long have you been stranded? I think 60. it's 69 days. Oh, how are you feeling? Oh, it's a up, roller coaster up for and sure. Down. Yeah. Up and down. It's, uh, we have like a, a little moment of like something good happens or we accomplish something and we're feeling great. And then we go and we check the news to see what the status is. And it sounds like, you know, there's maybe a Pacific bubble opening up, but it doesn't sound like anytime soon or something else happens. And it, the, the date of getting back to our home, just it's, kind of feels like it's getting further and further away all the time. Yeah, the, that, t- that light at the end of the tunnel seems like it's getting further away. And every time we check the news, it's 
just depressing. <laughs> yeah, I watched your video, I think it was about 20 minutes on your site where you sort of talked about the things that you're doing to to pass the time and, you know, Nikki, you're fascinated by cockles. It's that simple. Yeah. You know that um, your entertainment is limited when you can spend hours on the beach just watching cockles bury themselves in the sand. <laughs> oh, but I do like, and I and I, I, I love the way that you can feel or see or hear this kind of self-deprecating, uh, it is what it is in your voices. Are they the type of people you are? Yeah, we're we're always pretty much we don't take ourselves too seriously and we definitely even, you know, even though we like to make nice videos, we try not to be too serious about it. And uh, it's more about just having fun and, and, you know, letting the world be our exploration. And even if it's just a little cockle burying itself in the sand or, or a simple beach cleanup. Well, the beach cleanups have been incredible. Since we chatted, I follow you on Instagram and my word, you have found some bizarre stuff in those daily or weekly beach cleanups or I think they're daily, aren't they? (laughs) Just an hour a day? Uh, Yeah. Well, so we kind of, we go down for the sunset or we try to every day um, and get a little exercise and it just seems like we're going to walk anyway. We can pick up trash along the way. So we have our one box that we collect every day because we could otherwise, if we didn't give ourselves a limit, we would never, it would never end. But so we do one box a day and each day, yeah, it is incredible the things that we find. And every day it seems to be a new a new gem. <laughs> I know, uh, Jason, what you're going to say is the weirdest thing you've you've found, but you tell me and I'll see <laughs> if I was right. I don't have a piece of paper to write it down. But <laughs> Well, I would say uh, the weirdest thing that I found, I didn't actually share because it, it wasn't good. Uh, oh. but the, the, next, the next weirdest thing I found was a credit card machine. I forgot what they call them. It's like a manual credit card swiper that we would see, you know, in the eighties and, and maybe even the nineties, but I thought it was hilarious. I never, I never in my life thought doing a beach cleanup would make me feel old. But when I found that credit card machine, I thought, I bet half of the people in the world don't even know what this is because it's so outdated. Yeah. As you said, show someone under 25 and they wouldn't know what it is. So what was then the, I thought that was the weirdest. What was the weirdest thing you found? <laughs> no, that wouldn't be probably the weirdest. It would probably be the most disgusting thing you found on the beach. That would be <laughs> well, what you're thinking. No, no, the most, the weirdest thing I found, well, the weirdest thing I found that's um, sitting there right now is about 20 paint cans that have just been put there on the on the beach and they're just waiting to either burn them or waiting for the king tide that comes next week to wash it away. It's It's kind of sad. It's... Yeah, it's kind wow. of one of those things like we we don't really want to share um, and we don't really know what to do about it other than throw our hands up and go, what can we do? Yeah, well, so you- we do our beach cleanups each day and then that's we feel like that's kind of as good as we can do for the moment. Yeah. We did a beach cleanup um, on Ishigaki, this island in the Okawana prefecture. I can never say that prefect. You know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> it's, it's closer to Taiwan than it is to Tokyo um, and v- very pristine, but we did a, a beach cleanup and the weirdest thing that we <laughs> found was this totally intact, metre-long fluorescent light. Whoa. Wow. That's to- impressive. Not a scratch, not a crack. You know, you'd be tempted to take it home and see if it worked. Yeah, you have to wonder, did it actually make its way there? Did it float? 
and actually not break and, and just waiting for you to find it? Or did somebody intentionally leave it there? Like, well, if, see, if only that light bulb could have talked. I know, right? We did have that conversation because the cool thing about that little area was that you could only get there when the tide was out through a cave system. So, wow. um, The other things you guys are doing to to while away the days are some home brewing. Yes, yeah. We uh, we've we've taken our uh, fermentation skills to the next level, I suppose you could say. We've we've done kombucha and sourdough and pickles and fermented hot sauce and so now yes we've we've turned to making um fermented soda and uh pineapple beer ginger beer turmeric beer so when when you're not cleaning up rubbish you're half sloshed <laughs> <laughs> so we can't get a hold of like champagne yeast or brewer's yeast that's still pretty low alcohol so it's just more a refreshing beverage with a slight alcohol content, nothing too crazy. Nice. You guys were also caught up in a hurricane there. Uh, were you worried about curiosity? Oh, yeah. The, so the cyclone was coming through, ripping through the Solomons in Vanuatu, and it destroyed some of those islands and was heading fiercely fast right towards us here in Fiji. Uh, fortunately, it lost a little steam as, a, as an F4, and then it continued on, picked up, power and hit Tonga as a category five. Um, and it hit the, the little island of the main island of Tonga called Nuku'alofa. But fortunately for us, our boat's in Vavau, which is in the northern part, and it just had high winds and flooding, you know, which sounds crazy to say it just had. <laughs> but it could have been so much worse. Uh, so luckily the, the boat survived and, and all of our friends, you know, were all fine other than like tree limbs and some beach erosion and kind of the standard stuff that comes along with the cyclone everything else was still intact so that was we felt like we dodged not one bullet but two yeah the frustrating thing is you can't you can't fly we know that but you can't even get into a, a boat to go to your boat because it's not only borders that are closed but ports yeah it's no nobody's coming in nobody's going out kind of thing right now and that's i don't know of anywhere that's that's open at the moment everybody we talk to around the world we've been having you know lots of skype sessions and facetimes with our fellow sailors around the world and everybody's situation is slightly different for sure but one thing it remains which is nobody's going anywhere you can't, there's nowhere to go sometimes coast guards won't even let you leave unless you have like a signed document saying that you have an open port to go to. Yeah, I've spoken to a couple of um, people that are families, one family, in fact, that are on boats um, in the Caribbean and a little further south and they're or a little further north, I think. They're really concerned about the hurricane season because if the Coast Guard doesn't let them go, they're in a whole world of danger and then there's an insurance issue on top of that if the boat's smashed. So there's a lot to be frightened about. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's very unsettling. Yeah, and same for us. I mean, if we can't get back, what starts to happen then? You know, we have yet another cyclone season uh, upon us, which then means we have to leave the boat where it is because of insurance reasons, exactly that, to be able to remain insured. Or we have to sail somewhere fast enough to get out of the, out of the box, so to say. But um Will we have enough time? Yes, there's so many things that are up in the air and, and I don't feel like anybody can make any decisions and make any sort of clear path because there are just way too many variables and unknowns. 
Totally. Last time we spoke, I think you were heading to New Zealand. That was the plan. And then coming into Australia in your discussions at home um, or your beach walks, what have you decided to do once the borders open and the, the ports open? Well, that's what Nikki was kind of saying about timing. If we, we probably have a month of work to do on the boat because she needs some new parts and some love before she gets seaworthy again. And depending on the time frame, uh, if we can still sail to New Zealand, we will. And that should happen like 1st of October-ish. Then we go to New Zealand. And then from there, you know, maybe Australia, maybe you know, back up into the islands. But the, the plan originally was to sail over to Fiji. But now it's like, I don't think we'll be welcome back. <laughs> I don't think you'll be ready for Fiji for some time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's so sad. We, have, we haven't seen, we've been in Fiji, you know, all this time, and which is so strange to us because we've been here for so long now, yet we haven't seen any of, any of the island yeah. itself. So you, you will return, just not straight Hopefully. away. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, yeah. And probably not to Nandy. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll go explore the outer islands, I think. Lovely. Now, as we wrap up, I know you were traveling with your cats. Uh, firstly, where are they? Um, so unfortunately, um, that was one of the other reasons that led us home was we had um, our one cat was um, 19 years old and she was starting to have some old people problems um, with liver and kidney failure and so on and so forth. And there really aren't any vets in the islands. Um, so she, we needed to get her home to proper medical care. And unfortunately, a month after we arrived, um, she passed. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And then our other cat, Singa, he's getting older as well. And just with the state of medical care in the islands for animals and him getting older, if we ran into any similar issues, we just, we knew that leaving him behind with um, friends was going to be the better option. Plus he is a very, very active cat. He likes lots of land time and we just weren't able to find that in the islands. We very rarely got to take him to shore just because there's so many um, stray dogs or loose dogs. It's just kind of island life, right? Dogs everywhere. But um, it just became a real health hazard every time to take him to shore for fear of the dogs. So we just found that it was time to leave him, leave him behind for where we are in the world now. And he is back on Mutiny Ranch in Cortez, Colorado, with our good friends Lynn and Clark, uh, with quite literally a, a mutiny farm. They, they take in all sorts of rescue animals that are too old um, to be productive on a farm anymore. And rather than putting them down, they let them live out their lives there. So he has a whole crew of new friends. And that a is, girlfriend. Linda. And a girlfriend. <laughs> Do you FaceTime him? <laughs> we, we have a few times. Yes, actually. Once while we were making ginger beer and uh, we were FaceTimed and we got to see... Um, him and his girlfriend snuggled up on the couch together. Oh, that's nice. A bit like yourselves. But you're also um, helping some stray cats in, in Fiji as well? Yeah, it's crazy. We were at the market one day and there was this baby kitten just laying right on the edge of a busy market with the busiest street in Fiji. And she just passed out. So we picked her up. Um, we brought her home. We tried to make her, I don't know, get her some food, get her healthy. And then we took her over to the vet. Um, because she needed some, she had like this little rash or whatever. And then it brought us on this whole journey of finding this place called Animals Fiji. It's a veterinarian and a shelter and basically a welfare agency for the animals here. And so they're, they're working to collect all the, the strays and the 
um, sick animals, they vaccinate them, they get them well, they desex them, and then they, they release them again, or they, they adopt to find them. them. Yeah, forever home is what they say. Yeah. So we've got this little cat and we thought, how can we help animals, Fiji? And so we made a video about it, thinking we could maybe raise like 1500 US dollars, which would save about 10, 10 animals. And turns out, We've raised but the fundraiser still going, but it's well over twenty five thousand dollars. So we're just it's floored, amazing floored by the generosity of people. And it's just incredible to watch. That's probably little Pip is, is her name. We call her Pip short for Pip Squeak. And she has been definitely our little blessing in this crazy COVID world. The, the video is on your website, but we can share the fundraising details as well. I spoke to um, a traveller who's stranded in a bungalow in rural Thailand, and she's hooked up with a group oh. of expats who are looking after the stray dogs who rely on the scraps from the hotels to survive. But of course, the hotels oh are all closed, so all the dogs are starving. Yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, it's nice to know that even in such a tough time, like people are still willing to to give and to help where they can. And so, you know, a, a little bit of light and I guess in, in otherwise dark times. Well, lovely to catch up with you guys as always. Um, I, as I follow you on Instagram, I'll be able to update in the podcast on when you're finally able to be reunited with curiosity. A big day. Yeah. The bottle of champagne, if you can find one. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. Thanks oh. for having us. We will share that video in show notes along with their amazing Nomads episode. A reminder to get in touch and share your story by emailing podcast at worldnomads.com. Uh, next episode, the company helping uh, you source dirt cheap flights. And we speak to an expat living in Greece on how the country's going now that it's opened up its borders to travelers. Bye. The World Nomads podcast. Explore your boundaries.